Welcome to Technology Forward, where we explore trends and developments in the additive manufacturing industry. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening. In this edition of Technology Forward, I'm speaking with Ethan Eskowitz, CEO and founder of Eris Composites. Ethan developed a technique called additive molding. It's a proprietary process that combines additive manufacturing and high volume molding technologies to create continuous fiber reinforced thermoplastic composites at mass production scale and cost. The technology has broad benefits across many applications and markets, enabling smaller, thinner, lighter, stronger products. So thank you for joining me today, Ethan. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So this is something new. I've not really heard of additive molding before. So can you tell me what it is and how it works? And in particular, what specific applications does it suit? Sure. So at a high level, it's a new manufacturing technology that, as, as you mentioned, can make products stronger and lighter with the desirable qualities of uh, molding manufacturing process in that it is very scalable and energy efficient and minimal scrap and high end quality, high dimensional accuracy and repeatability and surface quality, but doing so with these materials that are typically associated with aerospace, these aligned fiber technologies that have higher strength than titanium and lighter weight, which typically uh, for our customers means that they are not trying to make their products stronger. They're usually trying to make them smaller or lighter. So using those material benefits for, for design wins. So how it works is we have really combined these these two worlds of aligned fiber continuous composites that that really developed in the aerospace industry and originally started out really coming from from a, a long legacy of hand layups that were in uh, used in automotive and boat building and things uh, but then the other the other realm is the injection molding world in particular has developed many of these efficient processes and automation techniques that we're able to combine with the aerospace materials to really enable getting these materials into the products that surround us every day that, that haven't been able to take advantage of these materials because the process costs have been so high in the past. Okay, so what might some of those products be that would be like non-aerospace? Sure, so since it is a manufacturing technology, it, it is broadly applicable uh, from aerospace to automotive parts to con industrial, a uh, wide range, a range of industrial applications. However, all that said, the area that we had the greatest focus in our first couple of years was the consumer product space, uh, which includes consumer electronics and recreational equipment. And the, the reason for that focus is because the product refresh cycle in, in those realms and the amount of qualification is very favorable for a new company that is trying to get production online to essentially make, make for a profitable business. Now, as we have been working quickly with those customers in the consumer space who are trying to get 
differentiated products to the market, uh, new designs and new capabilities that, that give them an edge in the marketplace. We have been working with the more regulated industries and doing the qualification processes to produce parts in those industries. However, those processes are multi-year endeavors, and we do those in parallel with the much faster-moving consumer uh, markets. I think I read somewhere that antennas were one of those applications that you can use this process for. So, we're, we're at this really interesting place where so many products are getting electronics um, embedded within them. Mm-hmm. And the capability to take what was actually developed in aerospace, putting glass fiber into carbon fiber composites to create an antenna window. So you're getting the, the highest strength to weight ratio carbon fiber composite in certain areas, and then this antenna transparent glass fiber windows. Uh, so then you're having uh, really optimal functionality of the antennas. We have essentially taken those approaches and our production uh, system has the ability to incorporate these antenna windows in a scalable mass production ready manufacturing system, which opens up all kinds of new design possibilities for every type of mobile device, whether it is the conventional things that, that you know, we use every day, mobile phones, tablets, laptops, on through the, the various sensors that you find in everything from, from scooters to bicycles to cars to planes uh, today. And there are actually some really interesting industrial applications as well, where connectivity is coming into the factory and all kinds of other industries where digital intelligence unlocks value. So this has driven uh, the adoption of getting electronics into these portable enclosures. So our manufacturing method really comes at a important time for industry when connectivity uh, and internet has become ubiquitous, and there are so such a good, healthy cloud infrastructure and and services. So um, it's it's a long digression on a simple answer to why antennas have suddenly become so important. <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like this has real application for Internet of Things design and uh, data collection. Yeah, absolutely. The additive part of this process seems to be using a robot to place the material fibers into a mold. Do I have that correct? Correct. We use state-of-the-art factory automation to form the composite material that is then molded in an efficient automated molding process. Okay. And through this molding process, is this where you're able to deliver the strength the fiber reinforcement that you've been talking about? So it's a synergy. So so yes, the molding is key. And the strength is delivered through a synergy of, of the two steps. The first step where we form the composite, the continuous composite material creates what we can think of as a near net shape composite part with aligned fibers running through the part to reinforce 
the part optimally, but the consolidation of that material under ideal composite processing circumstances under high temperature and pressure is what gives us the, the consolidation and the minimal void content that, that makes this process exciting for aerospace where very high degrees of inspection and quality are required, um, but also doing so in a way that we can, we can scale with multi-cavity molding approaches and fast cycle times uh, that enable the application for uh, mass market, very, very cost sensitive applications. Okay. You also said that you have a way of addressing environmental concerns regarding additive manufacturing materials. Can you go into that a little more deeply? Sure. So any, any question about sustainability uh, can, I think, really be broadly considered in terms of three key areas. One is the materials coming in, one is the processing, and then one, what happens at end of life. Uh, so, so we look at all three steps. So the, the first step, we're working primarily with the thermoplastic composites, where there has been a significant amount of develop a development based on work by the consumer product space, where there is significant appetite and push from the, the leaders in, in consumer products and uh, a number of other industries to get, to get more sustainable resins and chemistries into, into the products. And then also the fibers themselves, the different fiber systems that we work with have different embodied energy. And there's, there's carbon fiber, uh, which is, is higher. Uh, there's glass fiber, there are natural fibers. Uh, so we can select from the different resin and fiber systems based on the application. So there, there are different cost performance and sustainability trade-offs to the fiber and resin selection that any one of our customers might, might make. Uh, but we are working uh, with our end customers as well as the material companies to get better chemistries into our manufacturing process. So the processing itself, as we've talked about, scalability goes hand in hand with reducing the energy used to make any any single part. So the the way in which we are developing our system to meet the cost and uh, performance threshold of mass market industries also improves the, the sustainability of the, the manufacturing process as it gets more efficient. And then at end of life, uh, this is obviously the area that frequently gets the greatest amount of focus. And, and it is very important. The thermoplastic composites that we're working with are recyclable in, in a number of ways. So first, the important piece is that the resin system, the thermoplastics, are the recyclable plastics. So there has been a long legacy in the composites industry of using a different type of plastics called thermosets. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, composites have been really challenged with recyclability uh, because it isn't really a recyclable composite. You can burn off that resin system and try and use the fiber with a new resin system the second time, but it's very energy uh, intensive. Uh, working with the thermoplastic composites like we do, you can just chop these materials up and then 
uh, remold it as a chop fiber composite, which actually reduces the mechanical performance about 10x, but gives you the ability to take a, a batch of products that are a similar resin system and, and recycle them uh, with a bit of downgrading fairly efficiently. We've also developed and piloted a method where we can take our continuous fiber composite first generation part and in a kind of cradle to cradle approach, use it as the feedstock for a second generation product where if working with our customer, we can anticipate their program to uh, recycle products that they have come back. If they can supply back to us the component that we can, we provided to them, uh, we can look at using it as the feedstock for a second generation product in these circumstances where we will have a high volume of the same parts coming back with a high degree of regularity like you do in consumer products where there's a, a pretty well-known life cycle. So typically in thermosets, you uh, the existing development work that's been done to recycle thermoset composites mm -hmm. is through pyrolysis and burning off all of the resin. So you're not really recycling the, the resin. You might be able to reclaim some of the fiber that oh, okay. gets downgraded through that burn off process. So it isn't completely wasted, but you're might be burning off half of the volume of the material to reuse the the other half. And that has been done with some of the carbon fiber composites because there's a very high embodied energy in that carbon fiber material. Mm -hmm. So it's worth putting all that energy into reclaiming it. Obviously the thermoplastic composites, you're, you're, you're not actually recycling it because you can simply reform it into a second generation part um, in some instant instances without a recycling processing step. That's a great ability though to recycle some of that material to some extent. Yeah, the, the devil is always in the details. <laughs> Very <laughs> and, true. And, in, in all of these questions, it really is this, this full life cycle that can't actually uh, discount the use as well. If we're talking about uh, removing the weight from a commercial airliner, uh, the amount of energy saved uh, through reducing the weight might actually be even greater than the energy savings that we're talking about through the manufacturing and recycling process. And, and that fact is why the composites industry has been able to operate with unrecyclable materials for so long, because the aerospace industry and going from 0% composites in 1970 to you know, almost 80% composites in the Dreamliner today has had significant improvements in, in the amount of um, energy necessary for, for commercial um, aerospace applications. There was this other thing that was mentioned. It's called specific design. So what exactly is that and how is it used by designers? Specific design is, to, to start with, it, it helps to think of the way any part is designed today, a bit like building in a sandbox or on the beach, where you might take that wet sand and have certain wall thicknesses and overhangs and, and minimum feature sizes that, that you can use to, to make that part. 
and then based on that, uh, you, you, you make the part and then you'll make the adjacent part perhaps out of a different material and then create an assembly of those different parts. So, so first, with these very high performance, stronger than metal materials, the wall thicknesses can be smaller. Using our molding methods, we can have very accurate dimensions as well as, uh, uh, as, well as the fine features. But the, the important part is we're not limited to using sand in the sandbox. Mm -hmm. Specific design comes from the concept that, you know, within that sandbox, you know, you can add different materials, uh, whether it's metal or ceramic or, uh, or plastic. In general, a composite material is a combination of different materials. And we typically think about it in terms of the fiber and resin that are that are that we create a material from but our ability to position within that fiber and resin composite material different inserts or sheets or wires essentially is a composite of composites so specific design is the idea that our customers can specify the functionality that they want in different regions of the same part so if you want to have a device with a really tough energy absorbing corner, as well as an antenna window, and then uh, some wire running through a specific area, all of these can coexist within the same part. And the collaborations we do with our customers is similar to the design that's done in CAD with assemblies today, just instead of having separate discrete parts that are designed and then created through different manufacturing steps that are then assembled together, we can make them in a single manufacturing step. Also has benefits in production. Obviously, shortening the assembly line increases the speed of the, the manufacturing process. Very interesting. Okay, and um, lastly, we've covered a lot of material, but is there anything in specific that you would like to cover? When I think about it from the design perspective, the thing that's really interesting that always happens with our conversations with customers is this idea of whether we're looking for a drop-in replacement part or whether we can shift a product architecture in a way that hasn't been possible before. Hmm. And this is something that whenever a new manufacturing technology comes along, you have to step back and look at the products and the product architecture in terms of the legacy that is tied to the limitations of how it had to be produced in the past and how we can perhaps undo some of those assumptions. When composites first came to aerospace, there was a term called black aluminum, where you would see a composite manufacturer make a part with features that were designed for aluminum manufacturing and had to be produced you know, at sometimes a greater cost in a composite manufacturing method just because they're recreating the legacy, even though it wasn't what was practical for the new manufacturing method. So, we, we have excellent drop-in replacement applications. We're working on some, some great brackets for aerospace that are 80% lighter than the 3D printed titanium 
that uh, was the legacy prior, but, but also there are assemblies where we worked on a drone where there was over a dozen parts that were made overseas and assembled here domestically. And we replaced all of those parts with a single part that, that, that replaced the entire assembly and, and, and had better functionality uh, produced here, here domestically. So I, I do think when, when we look at the different applications, the most interesting thing is, is working with these internal champions uh, on, these, on these great products and rethinking how we can make them better and different and more co commercially desirable or, or, or more sustainable or higher performance than they have been in the past based on uh, new manufacturing latitudes, which translate to new design latitudes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's always a great thing when some new technology comes along that helps spur you to think of something a little different and in many ways improve it just because you're thinking of it differently. Yeah, exactly. Well, I thank you so much for joining me today, Ethan. I appreciate it very much. It was great to be here. Thank you.